Bam. Can you hear us good? <clears throat> Pretty good, yeah. Should I wear my I should wear my trucker hat? Hold on. <laughs> Thanks for checking out Party Like a Rockstar podcast. I'm your host, Joel Miller. Today's episode is brought to you by Misha's Kind Foods. They're an LA-based small business making the world's finest non-dairy cheese spreads on the market today. They're delicious and healthy, made from a cashew and almond milk, and blended with various locally sourced fresh herbs, vegetables, and spices. There's no vegetable oils, soy, fillers, starches, or nutritional yeast. It's lactose-free, paleo, keto, kosher perev, and 100% vegan. Enjoy the show. Today, I have two guys from the Georgia Thunderbolts. I have Logan Tolbert, who's the guitar player, and TJ Lyle, the singer. We're going to rock the fuck out. All right. Anyway, I'm glad to have both of you guys hanging out. It is actually cool to have you around, TJ, because I think you're the main lyricist of the band. Yes, sir. Cool. So I was going to give you shit by asking you, but uh, be good to yourself. I was going to be like, so how'd you write that song? And, uh, I, I can't even do it because I like Frankie Miller so much. It's like not even funny if I try to make it funny. Yeah. Uh, that's well, awesome. interesting. So like in your little, in the press release that I read, you talked about uh, how Frankie Miller is a big in, influence to Bob Seger, like is the biggie, which to be really honest, I didn't know. I, I know about Frankie Miller because I read a Rolling Stone article like a decade ago, uh, Meatloaf. And Meatloaf was a, a massive Frankie Miller uh, fan. Really? Was, and more importantly, to make this full circle, Meatloaf played high school football, which is where he got the nickname, dude. Oh, my God. I did not know that. <laughs> See, I knew you'd find relevancy. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so you guys, is it you two who met playing football or is it one of the other dudes in the band? The other two. Yeah, the drummer and other guitar player okay and you guys fell into the fold because you guys were just hanging out and but you all went to the same high school uh me and logan went to the same elementary school and middle school okay uh, me and logan grew up together and the other guys met in high school and we've known zach for a really long time this logan's neighbor so it kind of came together you know it opened my up here in town right on and you guys have been playing together for five six years yeah yeah that's really good, man. And so now you're rocking and rolling. I'm reading some of the bands you guys have been playing with. So Blackstone Cherry, the Kentucky Headhunters, Blackberry Smoke, Tyler Bryant, Shakedown, Atlanta, Rhythm Section. Very cool. Molly Hatchet, super fucking cool. And the Cadillac 3. So it's really pretty neat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it's awesome, man. Yeah. Marshall Tucker, too, not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't even on the list. And I love Marshall Tucker. Oh, yeah, they're awesome guys. Yeah, they're too. super nice guys. Yeah, ain't it cool when you're out with the bands and then you start talking to them and you're like, the guy's actually a fucking bro, too. I mean, he wasn't yeah. even fooling himself. He wasn't even yeah. talking about his private plane. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, so in the news here, we'll do a new segment. I read on my – came up on my Alexa inside my house that Scarlett Johansson had a baby. Isn't that nice? With her husband, lucky fucker guy. <laughs> The statement, this is the part I liked. It was, we love him so much. I'm kind of like, wouldn't it be better if it was like, he's okay if you like babies? 
Johansson, <laughs> you know? Wouldn't it be more interesting? But we love him so much. It's like, what kind of fucking statement is that? Why is that even worth writing down? Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Kind of funny, right? Yeah. Scarlett Johansson likes likes her kids so much. All right. <laughs> On a more serious note, that might actually have to do with your band. So I, I was reading, and Ron Berman's the one who quote unquote discovered you. But um, why did he come to the gig? And then did you guys know who he was? Did you know he was going to go? And then was the process pretty exciting? Uh, well, see, Richard Young was the first person who's seen us play down in, uh, we, we played an agricultural fest in Somerville, North Georgia. And um, Richard Young, we was playing with the Kentucky Headhunters, and he came out and watched our whole entire set. And then he asked us after the show, did we want to come up and record an album where he lives? So we come up and recorded a full-length album over the span of, what, a year? Maybe, right. maybe six months to a year. And we had all that finalized, ready to go. And then we did a showcase in Nashville at the basement. And, of course, he knew of Ron Berman because he got Blackstone Cherry signed with Ron Berman back in the day. And he got Ron to come watch us play at the basement, <clears throat> the little small club, the record store in Nashville. And... Um, he, uh, Ron came, watched the show, went back, talked to the label, and they said they wanted to sign us. And then right after we got signed, COVID happened. Yep. Oh. Put the brakes on real quick. <laughs> you got time to write new music. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's what we've been doing, too. We've been writing a ton of music. Well, I heard in one of your interviews, you guys still got some shows. You did, you had said you did like 15 or 20 shows during COVID, which is more than a hell of a lot of other people. So, yeah, we got lucky. Yeah, yeah, we did. Because everybody else was just home, you know, they couldn't leave. Yeah. Do you guys live with, uh, do you guys live here? Are you roommates? No, no we, we live like a mile from each other. A mile down the road. It's not very far. Pretty damn close. So, and are you writing, you're writing by yourself or everybody jumps in a bit or how do you come up with your lyrics? The lyrical part, I just write a story, honestly. And then, you know, the, the band brings it to life. Or me and Logan will get together and we'll write a song. You know I mean? That's how that comes about. But I... I normally just try to tell tell my part of the story, and then the band comes up with the rest of the part, brings it to life. You, know? so you write the words first. Yeah, yeah oh, absolutely. Or we'll have the music done, and he'll come in and write words to me. Or I already have lyrics, you know, because I, I just write so much. I write stories and stuff. Me and him were actually just talking about that last night. That's cool. So I've written lyrics a little bit. It's really hard for me to write lyrics to music. Oh, really yeah. Really hard, Yeah. <laughs> It's so hard. That, that's what I tell everybody all the time. It's just so hard to portray a point that everybody can relate to, you know, and put it in like, musical had, form. I had two like monster writer guys on here, or one. He was he was married to Donna Summer for thirty years, and he wrote oh, a ton God. of stuff. And, and the other dude, um, he hopefully will become a monster writer. But he went to NYU um, for songwriting, which I was like really. I don't know surprised i'm like you know what the fuck do they teach you in a school course like you know not to make fun of country songs but we are now wearing our trucker hats but it's like you know are they do they have a whole course on like describing your truck <laughs> what do they do and he was actually really interesting about it he had good answers you know his one was that everything should have a hook not just the lyrics just every instrument everywhere i was like oh yeah maybe yeah that's kind of cool so um it was a good answer. He was cool. But the first guy, you know, I'll write a verse. And then when I get to the second verse, I'm like, 
I gotta make it rhyme. How do you pick it up? How do you pick up where you left off? What? I said, how do you pick up where you left off? That kind of scenario. You know what? Honestly, so because I don't play anything, the songs that I'd written, I've written with really good musicians. So I wrote a lot with Dizzy from Guns N' Roses, for example. Yeah. And what I do, I kind of blame them because they're so good at what they do <laughs> that they work it for you and you get it back and you're like, that's totally what I was talking about. <laughs> I, I was right there. I was right there. <laughs> so exactly. every now and then, but every now and then I'll come up with a really good lyric. I got a guy coming on here named Bob Reagan. Yeah. And I'm like, huge fan of this dude. So he wrote, you can dig two graves for Randy Travis. And he yeah. start. I think it's Gene Autry. He started writing for Gene Autry. Holy crap. Right. I mean, holy crap. This guy, and he's like, I'll come on. I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. I'm like, super excited. I met him at some songwriting thing years ago. And all these guys were major dudes out of Nashville. Everybody on the stage. It was like this invitation thing that I like <laughs> I snuck into wearing my beer hat. I don't know. And, I, and I'm sitting there and all these guys are just playing songs that you all know. You just know them. And then Bob was like the man. You know, he'd play something. He'd be like, oh, fuck. Yeah, bro. I mean, show them how it's done, dude. Just amazing. So it'd be really neat to talk to him. It'd be cool. Um. I do like a lot of your songs, but I do have to say for me, Spirit of a Working Man was a really standout song. It's a great song that you guys put together, man. And uh, it's really, really good. So in what I read, it's your dad who works his ass off, basically, so that the, the purpose of the song is just to say, you know, work fucking hard and hopefully you get you get a cool kid to write a song about you. <laughs> working ass off. Yeah, that's pretty much the story, yeah. No, but we all grew up with working parents and stuff, man. But I've seen it, especially in my life, the hardships and stuff like that. that he's had to, you know, lost nights of sleep over it, just trying to pay the bills and stuff like that. And that, that's where that song comes from for me, is witnessing that firsthand. The stress of it all. Yeah. Are you only kid? No, I'm not. I have a, <laughs> I have two older sisters. Oh, okay. I got a, I got a brother out there somewhere. Oh, all right. <laughs> cool. I got two younger sisters. Lucky. Yeah, why the older ones tell you what to do? Yeah, they beat me up all the time. Write a song about <laughs> sisters for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. You guys have that yet where you're dating a girl and she's like, why don't you write a song about me? And you're like, ah. Well, see, people ask us that all the time, and I tell them, you can't just write songs at the spur of the moment. That's, that's the way I feel anyway, because it's like, if you want to write about something that you have planned out, it completely goes a completely different way than what you want it to. Whatever I write just comes out how it's going to be. You know, I can't change it once it's done because whatever's being wrote in that moment is what it needs to be. I could just picture TJ's girlfriend being like, Paul Bacardi did it, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, He's a goddamn like writing machine. You ain't done shit. Yeah, yeah, she's about like that. Give you a list of stuff that rhymes <laughs> with like Beth or whatever. Here's a whole list of rhyming words. Make that shit happen. Make me uh, what a ten point presentation. Like I failed English. I don't know what this means. Yeah. Is that what happened with the Almond Brothers? There's like all the girls' names. <laughs> Put them all together. Good laundry list. So, uh, Corona. God, hopefully he's chilling out, right? And you guys are going to be going out. What um, 
do you do you have like a do you have a tour set up yet or do you guys have one-offs going are you are you just crossing your fingers that you get to play we actually have a lot of dates booked i mean almost every weekend is booked up for the rest of the year, the the year. so fingers crossed that they hold you know that's cool are you guys are you guys paying your bills yet with the music yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome though if you really can it's a feather in the hat it's a serious step yeah it's... yeah we're squeaking by but we're doing it. yeah so when i saw online you guys were playing in a brewery what was what was the brewery uh um, sweetwater yeah, yeah that it, was it yes that place is sick down in atlanta it's nice it looked it, it looked really nice it looked oh, yeah. like it was new. Like it looked like it had just been built not too long ago. But they gave us a bunch of free beer too. Yeah, they gave us a bunch of free beer and a bunch of free hats and shirts and stuff. Fuck, great shit. Swag is great. They were super great people too. Yeah, we went up to. Uh, there's a place up here in in California. I'm in California, and it's called uh, it's called the Wine Country. I don't know. Sorry, twenty five percent through my beer. It's called the Wine Country. So the, we went up to the Wine Country up here. There, there's a few regions throughout California, but one of them is called Paso Robles. So we get to Paso Robles, and um, all the wineries are kind of closing down or closed already. So we went into this one area, this industrial area. And we walk in and they're making like, they're making spirits. He's making whiskey and rum and other stuff. And they're all fucked up. Everybody's wasted in there. So <laughs> we'll join your club. And actually I'll even preface it because it's good. So when I was a roadie, I worked for a dude named Charlie Hernandez. He's like a really big production manager guy. And so I go into the first place and the dude who's a wine guy, I'm not a big wine guy. And he tells me, he goes, yeah, he goes, I was a roadie. I was like, oh shit, man, that's cool. So I'm talking about it. And uh, he goes, yeah, Charlie Hernandez. I'm like, yeah, I worked for this guy named Charlie Hernandez. He goes, well, Charlie's Charlie died. I'm a fuck. Nobody told me he died. He goes, yeah, he's dead. I'm like, oh my God, man. I used to call him dad. I looked at him like a father. How could nobody tell me? So then we go next door where they're all fucked up. Right? So we walk in there wasted. And we're like, we'll join your guys' booze club. And they're too fucking wasted to sign us up to join the booze club. <laughs> Nobody can do it. So they got it. They got a keg in the back. So we, and he's like, just drink whatever you want, man. I'm like, oh, you're telling the wrong guy. I just found out like my dad died and nobody even told me. So we're in the back and I'm like, I'm going to get through this keg single-handedly. And I'm cruising through and I'm cruising through. And in the back is just pallets and pallets of expired beer by like two days. And it's because they use it for all the whiskey making or something. So the guy's like, bro, you know, you got, I had this little Nissan Sentra. He goes, I could shit a shitload of beer in that fucking thing for you, bro. <laughs> so we, we are stuffing beer in my little car. And, and I'm like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. He goes, I get more. So we, we really, I mean, we probably put 25, 30 pat, six pat. I don't know. We just really filled the fucking thing. It was awesome. And so then the guy comes in from next door. He goes, dude, he goes, I'm totally wrong. Charlie's not dead. I'm like, Charlie's not dead. You know? So then it was like, let's really drink now. So we're all partying. I called Charlie. I'm like, I'm so glad you're not dead. <laughs> and um, so we figure my girlfriend and I, we're like, we figure that we should be appreciative to these guys, right? The two that run it or some of them. And we say, hey, do you guys want, we'll take you out right now. You guys want to get some drinks? And they're like, yeah, man, let's go out and get some shots of tequila. And we're like, whatever you guys want. You know, it's your show. Thanks for all the beer. So they're like, yeah, let's go to IHOP. We're like, fucking IHOP? <laughs> we're kind of like, whatever you got. So we go to IHOP and we're drinking tequila at the bar in IHOP. What it was is that 
his and her like parents or something were out of town their in-laws the kids were out of town i don't know so they were just gonna party all night so we go to ihop we drink more at ihop and they're like do you guys want to you want to go back to our house and at this point it's like four in the morning it's like yeah sure why not so we go back to their house and the dude there's like some wine out of paso that's like the only hundred point wine which means it's like perfect and to get it to go to the winery is like a 12-year waiting list a dude had an entire fridge of it and he's like it's my best friend from growing up man so we've got all this really high-end wine and uh it was pretty cool it was pretty cool that's awesome how was it how's what that was the wine you know i'll say it's good but the truth is like i don't know wine so I wouldn't know the difference. Anyway, when you guys come to LA, we're going to have to drive you up to these guys. He won't even know who I am. He'll be like, I, I have no idea. You stuff my Nissan Sentra with beer, he'll be like, you're welcome. <laughs> Actually, my yeah. chef went up there with them and they went to a Counting Crows concert. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I seen the Counting Crows uh, two or three years ago and they didn't play one single song that I knew. Really? They didn't play uh, Mr. Jones. They didn't play anything off the off that off that era when they were like really 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 big they didn't play anything like that i saw them uh, a big fan i I know like with uh omaha so they wanted to give him like the key to the city is like a publicity thing and adam duritz didn't get it because he actually didn't really know anything about omaha (laughs) (laughs) didn't want to take the key i don't know if it's true story or not maybe i'm spreading lies but yeah Right. Next one will be like Scarlett Johansson's baby really is from Adam. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a good one. Here's a good. So Johnny Depp had a club in Hollywood right on the Sunset Strip for a long time. It's real famous. And uh, even though I can't think of it right now, which is ridiculous because I've been there a million times. But the bartender there was fucking Adam Durwitz, dude. Oh, really? Yeah. So you'd be <laughs> sitting there, uh, and he's already huge. Was it the Viper Room? Yeah. It was the Viper Room? Well, he was the bartender. So you're watching whatever band, and the fucking bartender is the singer of the County Crows. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, he just wanted to do something normal. And he was there for a while, man. So it'd be cool. He never got up on the stage while I was there. That would be... Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Have you guys heard of Nancy Griffith? Uh, I know the name. She's a folk singer. She unfortunately actually just passed away last week. But... Um, uh-huh. I was like diehard fan. So he did a cut. Co- he did a, not a cover. He did a duet with her. That's super cool. It's worth checking out. It is awesome. I have to check that out. Yeah. yeah. Well, lyricist, you know, the guy can fucking write, man. I mean, Oh yeah. He tells a great story. Such great stories. And I, did you get that live album? It didn't sell so good, but there's a double live album. I've and... seen him playing it live on access TV. I've, I've seen him play a concert live on access TV. Of course, I was waiting for the Mr. Jones, but it never came. <laughs> I wonder, you know, like a lot of these guys that get sick of singing, like Scott Weiland was kind of sick of singing plush. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of times, man. So 30 years, uh, 40, 25 years. I feel yeah. I was asking, uh, I had the guys on here from Blessed Union of Soul. And uh, when you write a song about your, your chick... <laughs> And then you break up with the chick stuff so for the rest of your life. You got to be singing this fucking song about this yeah. that you split up with. Kind of like, it's like getting a tattoo. Maybe, maybe you can like stencil over it. Yeah. Get a good cover up. 
Yeah, but nobody wants to hear your song with new words. No. Like, Listen here, monkey, play that fucking song about the chick. Yeah, if you change anything from the record, they're crucified. Well, they listen to it so many times, they want to go and hear the exact same thing. So, exactly. I don't know. But the other side then is you'll see certain bands live and then you realize, so like Bob Marley for me, I like i know it's terrible but i was never a bob marley fan until i got some of those bootlegs and when you hear them live you're like oh i get it because they'll just they'll like slow down they'll start talking they'll chill the song out everything it's all these things they really were switching it up on a regular basis and it makes it i guess it's like deadheads oh yeah it's almost like a cult following yeah well the bootleg thing you know before everything was online getting bootlegs was super neat because that was like that's like drinking before you're 21. You know, you get the oh, yeah. <laughs> bought these great David Bowie bootlegs out of Germany when I was like 1920. That's and, awesome. Oh, super neat. Cause you know, actually, I sold them on eBay like years ago for a bunch of money, like three, four hundred bucks for one CD. Oh, crap. Right? I should have bought a bunch in Germany. <laughs> Our manager, Richard Young, he's got the he's got the bootlegs for uh Derek and the Dominoes. Yeah, He's got the cool. you know, bootleg uh, album, and now it's got all the separated tracks on. That's fun. Have you guys you listened to it? I've listened to it. Yeah, it's right. it's unreal. He doesn't really share it with many people. He tries to keep it hidden. Oh, the whole thing, but from touring, I didn't really have anything because um, you know you can't really go around the stage collecting shit. So I wish I had got Scott's. Uh, bullhorn yeah that would, that, be would cool. be cool. that would be cool really yeah. really cool did he, did he always use the same one yeah he would he would bring it out for the first song always and he only had like i think he had two of them for do i remember and they were they're always the same too i think Where are they at now? you know i'm not sure man i i don't know it'd be cool to find out i mean there was a lot of wardrobe because remember he used to wear a lot of girls' clothes like fishnets yeah. and stuff. And my favorite was the dress and the uh, red hair and the white boots. Yeah, it was. That was my favorite. Oh, we know. Oh, we know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in my book, I got this section where we're we're in Portland, Oregon, actually, and the show just sucks, man. It's just a dirt pile of shit, and. <laughs> It's just like Slayer and Slipknot and Godsmack and just major testosterone-driven bands all day. Head <clears throat> PE, I think, was there. And um, these had these neo-Nazi dudes in the front row, and they were throwing they were throwing syringes at us. Ooh. And I'm, I was all, I was thinking like, who like what Nazi dude would be like? Let's go watch STP. Well, you know the guy dresses in drag that's okay the songs are still cool sounding <laughs> what's the conversation of like this is going to be great <laughs> yeah it's weird <laughs> really weird but what was funny with him we, it was hard to get scott women's shoes because the internet wasn't around and he had like big man feet so, there's this place in chicago that makes like uh, they were at the time they would make like kinky boots. You ever seen the movie Kinky Boots? They would make all the they would make shit for dudes that was like women stuff. So when we go to Chicago, it was like he'd go nuts there, man. <laughs> Buy the whole fucking store, or actually call they get stuff specially made. So we're like, oh, those are some nice heels you got there, Scott. 
looking good. Size 15. <laughs> this is going to help grow your guys' audience for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, so, um, so you you guys have done one us, but you have you haven't done a tour yet with a nation a nationwide tour. Not yet. Mm -hmm. it's, it's exciting. You're gonna have fun. Yeah, it's gonna be a blast. We're waiting for it. Do you guys have a roadie yet? No, <laughs> no. We got a merch guy. We got a merch guy. He's gonna be a roadie soon. <laughs> he needs to wear one of your hats and go pick up shit and move it around yeah you need to put him in a dress nice. put him in a dress for sure with your band logo on it yeah big lawyers so no. are um are a lot of the people coming to your shows like high school buddies and stuff still uh no we don't really have high school buddies anymore <laughs> yeah we don't really play around home that much yeah so how are you getting the word out Play in out of state. Word of mouth, really. Yeah, word of mouth has done us more good than anything, honestly. Are you guys online a lot, like pushing, pushing, pushing with all of the, the stuff? Yeah. yeah. We're not the best at social media, though. Yeah, we're it's not. hard, man. Yeah, the problem with social media that I, I found, so it's TikTok, it's LinkedIn, it's uh, Facebook, it's Instagram. And Twitter. I mean, it's like, how much shit is there? I don't have this time. I, I said on somebody, I don't know. It's like being a high school student and you want your yearbook signed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So much shit. You know, <laughs> you're like, we got a new Twitter guy. Oh, tell him to get on Instagram too. Uh, so it's that to me is the hardest part of the uh, internet related stuff. It's very difficult. Oh, yeah. None of us really know how to use any of it. So. Well, they say to me, like, Instagram's the only one that matters. But now that TikTok's getting bigger, it will be one, the only one that matters. And you never even bothered with the damn thing. And Not then the yet. truth is, what the fuck are you going to put on there? Exactly. Yeah. What are you going to do? Here's my new dirt bike. What does that have to do with music? I know, man. I don't know what to fucking put on either. What do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> I was putting, on the, putting pictures of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> my girlfriend's like, Thunderlips. What does that have to do with the podcast? I'm like, Hulk Hogan sees all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Put all the on there. Just start posting wrestlers on there. Yeah, it's random. I got a couple wrestlers I had come on. It was real fun because I don't know shit about wrestling, so it was entertaining. Oh, really? Who'd you have? I had Aaron Stevens, who's a buddy of mine, and Al Snow. Al Snow, yeah. Yeah, so it was interesting because I guess I was asking about them, which I was really intrigued, where usually you talk about storylines and stuff, but I wanted to know them. I mean, how'd you get into wrestling, you know, and and it's it's tough. Like Al, he, he, went, he went across a few states. He's like 15 years old. He comes back like they beat the shit out of him, man. Black eyes, broken nose, whatever. Like, why do you stick with it after that? You know, what was your, what was your passion? And then you know, everybody thinks you're some loser wanting to wrestle until they see you on TV. And then they're like, oh, yeah, that's that's my buddy. Al. Yeah, that's the way it is. That is the way it is. I think it's more accessible, socially acceptable now to be a musician. I mean, I don't know. Did you guys get any grief yet from your family of go get a real job or anything? No, well, our family has been super supportive of us. 
us, man. They've they've really let us kind of do our own thing, and that's that's what's so great. It is great. I mean, you guys look real young. I mean, I'm thinking in your early 20s, you should go do whatever the fuck you want. If you fuck up, oh well. Yeah, exactly. I made a movie. It's fucking awful. <laughs> hey, says, I probably shouldn't say it because then everybody will know. They're like, but they say, oh, I watched your movie. I'm like, I'll buy you a beer. It's going to cost me a lot of beer. <laughs> well, it's not very, it's just not very good. But I mean, at the time, I thought it was fucking great, you know? Yeah, I, I made a movie, though. Yeah, you watch it a few times. You know, I, I watched, uh, speaking of Paul McCartney, I, I listened to Paul McCartney in this interview and it was with uh sean lennon or julian lennon i can't remember and it was very cool because they're talking he's asking questions about his dad and he wanted to know about his father which was really nice man it was like heartfelt stuff that he it was yeah. an opportunity to ask about my pops so paul mccartney plays the first song they wrote when they were like 14 <laughs> the problem was it was still so fucking good <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> it was so intimidating because he's like he wasn't very good so we've never really done anything with it i'm like fuck <laughs> you know that's a great song it was a great song it had hooks and everything and you're thinking 14 because you know the biggies neil young neil young wrote harvest when he was is it 20 old man look at my life 24 yeah. right yeah. i mean come on man whoa yeah or like you i mean i know you guys love leonard skinnerd it's the same. He was a young dude writing all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Where'd you guys come up with your band name? That was our manager who did that. We were on a crunch for time to find a band name, and we were all scattered all over the place, and he just shot that out there. See, I and knew it, somebody else came up with it because it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we had nothing. Yeah, we didn't. We, we had like a week to come up with a band name. What were you calling yourselves before? We were we were uh, south of heaven, south from heaven, south of heaven. I like the new name better. Yeah, <laughs> south of heaven. Actually, south of heaven's all right. I'm talking shit. Why'd you have to change it? Uh, just a bunch of you know, like the Slayer stuff. We didn't get, want to get involved with any of that kind of stuff, lawsuits or you know stuff like that. Well, as you get farther along, they'll make you. Yeah, we, we we grew up listening to Stone Temple Pilots for sure. I mean, I, I still listen to them almost every other day. Um, just really great music, you know, real just great rock and roll, just stripped down, you know, straight. I I was all over the place. I'm like, what are your influences? And it's so easy to pick the big names. It's everybody's fucking influence. It's all we hear on the radio, whether you liked it or not. Anyway, or it's all you hear everywhere you go. <laughs> But I would yeah. try to dig, like that Bob Reagan guy. I would try and dig and find interesting stuff. I got really into the blues for a while, like the really like 1920s stuff. Yeah. And I loved that my friends found it hard to listen to. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. I, I liked everything about it. So like Blind Willie McTell. Yeah. Uh, you've heard of them. Just such good stuff. And the songs yeah. are so yeah. simple and they speak like volumes, man. They're really, really neat. So I don't know. So the purest form of music what the blues oh yeah i got heavier into folk i just started going down this folk rabbit hole and just towns van zandt that was like weeks and weeks and weeks oh yeah us <laughs> towns van zandt but if you start listening to it all the time you can hear his voice changing every album because of the whiskey that he and by the last album his voice it's a different human being singing mm -hmm. And they're all so good, the stages. That, that's, the, that's the way it was with uh, Bob Seger, too. 
I love Bob Seger. Yeah, you start listening to the very first, and by the end, I mean, it was still great, but you can tell his voice had changed. But, I mean, he was still Bob Seger. He was telling stories and singing songs. You know? He's been sending it for years. Yeah, he's been going since 1968, nonstop. He's the one he was – he hadn't really done a tour in a really long time. So his kids had never seen their dad uh, – on a concert stage, I'm going to say, I don't know. And I probably got some of this wrong, but anyway, they, they heard him play and they're like, wow, dad, you're like really popular. And I thought that was so cute. You know, yeah. it was like, so neat. no idea. No idea. Can you imagine that? Like your, your pops is Bob Seger and you go to fucking the Rose Bowl or I don't know, some big venue or actually we should make yeah. the pine knob in Detroit. Cause that would make more sense. So Pine Knob in Detroit and your dad goes up there and the whole crowd goes ape shit. It'd be like, wow. <laughs> Try living with the asshole. <laughs> it's so bad for arguing with him all the time. Or <laughs> even worse, you become a stripper and your dad sings all the songs that the strippers dance to. <laughs> That's awful. That would be terrible. That's not a Bob Seger reference, by the way. That's not. Bob Zombie? Maybe. Uh, yes, maybe. Just maybe. <laughs> well, so a question for you guys. So um, I was going to put together a podcast, and my friend has a daughter in fifth grade, and she had her little girlfriends over. And um, she said, you should ask all your guests when they first felt famous. So bear in mind, we're talking about a little kid. And I like the idea because I get really great answers. But the question really, if we broaden it, would be when did you first feel you were on the right path? When was there a moment in your careers or your life or something that made you guys think, this is cool. This is making me feel good about me or about my band, about my music, about my life and my parents or just whatever have you a moment in time that makes you uh, happy with the direction you're leading. I think the very first time for me would be when we all were in the studio making our first record together as a band. I think that was yeah, a very awesome. critical, important time for us because we learned a lot about each other and we learned how to play off of each other. And now we got a studio at my house over here. So when we do that, it's the same feeling over and over when we're recreating that music. So it all comes back to circle one where we first found our magic and then we get to recreate our magic. Yeah, mine's really, uh... Beat that. <laughs> yeah, you really can. He's going to be like the first time a Krispy Kreme came into my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> That shit is delicious. Especially, <laughs> man, Ice cream man honking his horn. <laughs> Have you yeah. ever read up on the ice cream man song? No. The Van Halen song? It's, it's horrible, man. It's like the most racist song ever. Like the typical ice cream man song. It's really bad. Read up online. Read the lyrics. It's bad, bad. The little jingle? Yeah, the, the, uh, the, the one that every ice cream man plays. Oh, I can't think of how it goes. I haven't seen an ice cream truck in forever. I'm being honest. I, I can't think of how it goes. I know exactly how it goes. Well, when you listen online, you'll be like, oh, yeah. And then when you read the lyrics, you'll be like, holy shit. <laughs> wow, that's some fucked up ice cream. I, didn't, I had no idea. It's no joke. Read it when you get off here. It's pretty bad. I'll check uh, it out. Be... Anyway, sorry. We're talking about how important your life is. Let us know, Logan. Uh, I think the first time... It really hit that we were actually doing this like full time 
was uh, when we played with Molly Hatchet. There was just a whole like forum is like a amphitheater full of people, and we're just like, yeah, we're just five kids from this town, like, and all these people are here. It's pretty cool. It's really cool. I love Molly Hatchet. Oh yeah, they not too long after that that singer died. Yeah. So like we were almost the last band that got to play with that singer. How cool is that? Well, good for you. You know, it's neat. You you got a, a one moment. You know, I got a cool moment. I think I think we played with them. Then they went on that Southern Rock cruise with uh, you know the Headhunters, Blackstone Cherry, and Leonard Skinner, and uh, there was more bands I can't remember. Uh, Preacher Stone, um, and uh, after that he died. Uh, complications or something. I don't know what it was, but he he died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's hard, but it's cool when you at least got to, you got a glimpse, you know, of, of a band that you respect a lot, you know, somebody oh, yeah. you got to see for a few minutes, at least you're kind of like it's an opportunity, these glimpses of time that, you know, that you and I makes us like music. It's the, it's those bootlegs from whatever that make you think you've got an inside secret on this dude, like Frankie fucking Miller who's just yeah. a boss because nobody knows who well at least out by me nobody knows frankie miller ever no, not, not very many people do nobody do and then you're like oh he's an irishman who sings blues just that alone come on yeah. and then when you hear that guy sing you know other than joe cocker i mean who i mean wow you know exactly wow harry nielsen come on yep. come on but frankie miller's still alive dude he just can't sing yeah, he actually heard our song and posted it on his yeah. Facebook. Fuck, seriously? Seriously, yeah. you can go to his Facebook and you'll find it. And it says his wife shared it, but she said that Frankie loves his version of this song and it's us doing this song. How's that not your favorite moment? That's the shit right there, dude. <laughs> That's really neat. You should fucking print that out and put it on your wall. <laughs> I know exactly. We need to put it in the studio. Yeah. It's pretty neat, man. He just, because he partied, he was just a full-on rock star to the max, and then he had a, I think he had a brain aneurysm. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And then he he was, I mean, he was in a coma for a long time. I mean, this is like major, major stuff, but who's who rock and roll? The guy just, ugh, cover more of his songs. Yeah, I, I've, I've, actually, I've actually read a lot about him. He, uh, he wasn't your average go-with-the-flow guy either. He really tried to write things to for the people who didn't have a voice, you know what I mean? Like he wrote songs about, you know, their poverty, about Ireland's poverty and Scottish poverty. And he wrote songs that people could really relate to and they got behind him. And he also took a few shots at the queen, so. Yeah, I know he partied hardcore. But just think about it, his history must be fascinating. You're from fucking Ireland. The Irish folk music is amazing, you know? Yeah. yeah. All the chieftains type stuff is just next level. It's wonderful. So what got you into blues? You know, where, how did you get into that? Exactly. Can you imagine him fucking parting with Thin Lizzy? Being a fly on the wall in that studio? Jesus Christ. Uh, I'll tell you what, we did a, we actually did another Frankie Miller song. Um, We got it recorded. I don't know when we're going to release it or not, if we're going to release it, but it's called I Ain't Got No Money. Oh yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we did that one, so we're just waiting to release that one too. That's a good one. Yeah, it rocks. Cool. 
Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. How many people know it's you, right? When they when they hear it, they're like, that's a great song. You're like, I, trust me, I know. That's why I picked it. <laughs> <laughs> I got taste. I have taste and refinement. <laughs> when are you going to go play back at that brewery? We're like, we need more beer. Go <laughs> <laughs> uh, sniff it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, I, I really do appreciate it. Unless you got any cool road stories or... Actually, I do have one. Here's one. Here's one. What's the oddest gig that you guys have played at? Boogie Bottoms. Yeah. And a bike rally in Cleveland, Alabama. Is it Cleveland? Yeah. In Cleveland, Alabama. It was bad. In the middle of nowhere, I'd say, you know, you take your main highway to get in. You take the back road to get off. And then about 45 to an hour into the woods, you come up to these wrought iron gates. You got two older women sitting there, no clothes on in a blow-up pool. In a blow-up pool. Just sitting there because it's so hot and they're working the gate, <clears throat> breaking everybody through. Well, they're, they're sitting in the blow-up pool, each, like yeah. in separate pools, though. They each have their own. In, in, a, kiddie, in a kiddie, yeah, it's like a little muddy creek water. Because when I went there, it was like one pool. So they've, they've got better and they have two pools. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was rough. Uh, halfway through our set, they had they brought stripper poles out. Yeah. And they were, they were like growling a bonus or trying to play. Yeah, were they expecting you guys to dance on those poles? Uh, uh, no, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. Were you guys better looking than the women on the pole? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd hate to shame, but I think so. <laughs> I think the only, only way, the only way they were able to take a bath was with a piece of gravel and creek water. So. <laughs> yeah. your man, did your manager get you that gig? <laughs> uh, this was way before. How many times did you play there? Once. Once. One and done. Wow, that's really bad. Yeah, it was well. They and paid they you, though. To, they tried to lock us in. Yeah. We had to, like, bust to the gate to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the guitar player was underage. And Zach, the bass player, was underage. Everybody was. So every time somebody would come up flashing the boobs, he'd be like this, running away with his guitar. <laughs> that was the greatest moment of his life. Come on. He's like, yeah, but if you look up, she had no teeth. Yeah, she didn't. <laughs> right. We had to take a bath and bleach that. We had to quarantine before quarantine. Was... You had to quarantine before there was quarantine. It was like... Well, your parents are really proud of you for that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that one stays under wraps. What's the place called? Boogie Bottoms. Boogie Bottoms. In Cleveland? Cleveland, Alabama. Cleveland, Alabama. I don't even know if you can find it online. No, you can't find Google it on anything. I'm sure. <laughs> Under the radar. It was like the local bike club. Yeah, it was like the MC threw down a <laughs> shindig. They all came together and threw down a little shindig in the middle of the woods. How'd they find you? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Wait, it, it was like, well, it was back then we used to play a lot for like, like uh, bike night at bars and stuff. So I guess word just got around, and we uh, it was like our third or fourth show with right. the band, and we had to do like a four hour set. Oh, yeah. So I was it was real. I was you know trying to remember. Did you play Freebird? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't get out alive. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> that that guy, that guy gave us a big speech. Oh, we played Exit In. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Exit in uh, Nashville. That place was sick. 
And they had a security, about, what's that? They had a security guard back there. And like we walked in, we're back there, whatever. We were kind of nervous because you know Exodin is like one of the biggest, most popular bars in Nashville. And uh, he gave us this huge long speech. He was like, "The next time y'all are here, y'all are headline and all this and that." And then like we went out there and killed it. And then like a few months later, they called us on us the headline. And Sorry, then uh, really cool. yeah, we had some uh, good friends of ours play with us. Was uh, rock and roll residency Ryan Cook? Yeah, and, uh, that's Ace Frehley's band. And oh. uh, yeah, they opened up for yeah. us, and they're super cool guys. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. They're called the Rock and Roll Residency, though. They also play in a group called the Talisman, and I think Philip, the guitar player, just went on tour with uh, Accept. Look at you, man! You got all the ends. We're just we've been blessed to meet a bunch of nice people. We haven't really met anybody who's really tried to yeah everybody we met's like help us along yeah they've helped us out as much as they could along the way one of the things i try to push and one of the things i truly believe is the people in the music industry are fucking cool oh yeah the fucking assholes they don't last man we leave them out we get rid of them the film industry no comment Um, I might branch out to film industry, so I'll probably cut that. But, <laughs> but uh, what I personally found is in the film industry, I didn't like them. I thought they were douchey. But remember, I grew up in LA. So, but uh, in, in the music industry, guys, there's just you know a lot of what I've been putting together is just because I have these good memories of these guys teaching me like the way of the road. You know, I was I was 20 years old touring with Stone Temple Pilots. I was younger than you guys probably. What do you like? What year was that? 1999 is when I, I toured with STP and I was 22 by four days. When did I you ever, out. did you ever run into audio slave on the road? That's be, that was after me. Oh, okay. But I liked them. And I don't know if you guys will remember, cause you would have been in what junior high school when, when audio slave came out. Uh, what year was it? 2001. Was it that early? Yeah. Oh, well, oh then I'm full of shit, man. I was around. But what I remember, a lot of people were hating on Auto Slave that they were like this super group that weren't that great. I thought they were fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. One of the best rock bands of all time. They were so good, man. I, you know, and Chris Cornell, speaking of like covering songs, anything that comes out is like grail stuff. I love it. I love it. And he just had his own spin, he had his own feel, you know? And whatever uh, he did, it sounded like him. It was awesome. He's- yeah, you know, I'm a really big GNR fan, and I worked for GNR, and then Dizzy and I are buddies, and he did my movie. So there's like a lot of GNR in my life. But uh, hearing Chris Cornell sing GNR was so good. <laughs> yeah, so oh, sure. good. You know, and that that's a big deal when it's your quote unquote favorite band. When it's the thing, you know, you I know everything about this. I lived and breathed it, and then somebody comes out, and you're like, well, shit, that's good. You know, the biggie for you know Tori Amos. She she covered a Nirvana song. She covered Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I think it was when Kurt was still alive. It might have been when he just passed away, but I'm not sure. And it, she just killed it, man. I mean, holy fuck. Like Johnny Crash singing Hurt. Just, whoa, what happened here? And it's, it's, it's a cool thought when music can transcend. You, exactly. know, you would hope the songs that you wrote somebody one day would want to connect to and perform to it's like uh johnny cash covering uh rusty cage by soundgarden 
Yeah. How cool is that? Super cool. You know, it'd be the conversation. Rick Rubin be like, hey, we're going to have this thing. I don't know who the fuck Soundgarden is. I'm sure you don't, but will you sing this song? I want a pack of cigarettes and a six pack. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what really happened, but it's probably not too far from there. You know, I mean, (laughs) whatever. I don't know. Just give me the goddamn music. Let's play. (laughs) Hurt was was just amazing. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Or um, Glenn Campbell, dude. The last song that Glenn Campbell did before he died. Treat yourself if you haven't heard that. I don't think I've heard that. I don't know the song title. It's about him knowing that he's going to die of, of uh, what he died of where you can't remember shit anymore. Uh, all, uh, Parkinson's or Alzheimer's? One of these. I should know better. But I mean, the, the gist was, I'm not going to remember you, but don't feel bad because I won't even know the fucking difference. Wow, that's a good song idea. You know, and it's just so, so good, man. And then his daughter wrote a song about losing her dad that will make your hair stand on end. It's incredible. That's crazy. What's the name of that one? The daughter one? Yeah. Damn it. We could revert to Google. (laughs) It's really good. I can text it to you guys. Remembering. That's pretty bad that that's the song title. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thanks for watching Party Like a Rockstar. If you're not already subscribed to the Facebook or YouTube channels, do it. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The handle is Party of Stars. Thanks for watching. You'll see you next time.